This is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Hour. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 53 of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast, also known as Season 2, Episode 2. We're not going to do this every week. No, we're not. That's it. That's, that's the last time that's you'll end of that. that. That's the end of that joke, if we can even call it that. Um, that Mr. was a joke. No, well, there you go. If you can even call it that. Uh, Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mach. Yeah, I'm here again. And this is uh, the first podcast after we made our triumphant return to Goodison Park this weekend. Triumphant? Is that what you call it? Well, it was a boring draw, but it was triumphant, the feeling of walking back through uh, the doors of Goodison. Yeah, uh, so our usual pre-match haunt, uh, players' lounge on County Road, uh, make the familiar walk round the corner, and then see the uh, see the big Everton badge looming in the air. The new badge, the new crest, looks good on the ground actually. Yeah, I mean, it does look good. I was one of those. Bar. I was one of those uh, people who started to get used to the new badge last season, which is now the old badge this season. Yeah, it did grow on people, uh, but it was just a bit of a strange atmosphere around the ground. I know it's only a pre-season game, but it was sort of oddly quiet, did you not think? Yeah, I went for a little walk up County Roads, and there was hardly anyone, anyone about until you got up to by the Royal Oak, and then it was chock-a-block in there. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was dead quiet. Even like players were quite quiet as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And downstairs was quite quiet, so... Not really, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of easing, easing ourselves back in to the Everton routine. Uh, and I think it, it was pretty much that way for everyone, Everton included. Well, for the game itself, I mean, the club had only opened two-thirds of the ground. Uh, the whole of the, the lower Bullens was closed off. Uh, the, the, main, the top balcony was closed off. Um, and it looked pretty much a, a sellout for the parts of the ground that were open, I think, was the crowd. Was it mid twenty thousands? Was it low twenty thousand? I didn't see the figure for the crowd, but yeah, as well, you say, it, it looked like it was uh, the stands that were open were um, were, were chock a block. Yeah, they were full. Um, so yeah, a fairly decent turnout. Um, but I think probably the ticket price of twenty pound probably put a couple of people off for a pre-season friendly because let's face it, they never tend to be the most exciting of games, and this one was the prime example of that. I don't know about that twenty pound. I mean. How much is a match ticket now? £38, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, for a pre-season friendly, you'd probably expect to pay, you know, 15 quid or something, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being... I'm getting old and £20 seems a lot of money to me. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about possibilities with this and, you know, whether, uh, the, whether the club should introduce a scheme where when you got your... Uh, when you made your season ticket application and you get to tick those auto scheme boxes should there be an option there for the pre-season game at you know at a reduced rate or whatever I um, think if you buy a season ticket you should get a pre-season friendly for free well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I understand if it's a testimonial game like this and there's obviously some sort of charity involved oh, yeah, and, and got, money money going, to House, wasn't it? money going to charity then you know that doesn't really make any but it, it, I think if people would automatically tick the box wouldn't they you know, if you had 20, 28,000 season ticket holders this season, apparently, or even more, um, how many of those would have ticked that box? Because it's one game, and 
some people, when it comes to the game, they might just think, oh, just can't be bothered. But if it's on there and you've got it to look forward to and you know you've got your ticket already, then they, I think a lot more people would have went. Well, there you go. Should we talk about the game itself? Yeah, so the um, the news coming out was whether uh, Bessage or Barkley were going to feature and where Jags was going to come back. And when we had the line-up, um, we found out um, it was a bit of a surprise to us. Tim Howard was in goal. He was in goal. And we can put one rumour to bed straight away now, can't we? There was no Duncan Ferguson named in the substitute and there was no appearance by Big Dunk. He didn't take his lycra skin-tight tracky bottoms off at any point. Yeah, we, as much as the we, you know, as much as the rumours were going round, and the, you know, we spoke to one former blue um, before the game, and I think he was just. Uh, well, name him. It was John Bailey. Yeah, John Bailey. And Don't believe a word that man says. He said that Tim Howard wasn't going to play. Uh, he was just going to appear on the pitch after his World Cup heroics. He was wrong there, and he said, "Don't we get a five-minute run out?" And he was wrong there as well. In all honesty, with Tim Howard, he did sort of just appear on the pitch and not really play, really. Yeah, he got the start, but he didn't do anything really before he was um, taken off for uh, Joel to come on in his place. Uh, the other starters, Hibbo and Baines, uh, full-backs, Jags and Alcaraz. And then in midfield, you had Barry, PNR, Barkley, Osman and McGeady, which left our only fit first-team striker up front on his own, uh, Stephen Naismith. Yeah, I mean, looking at the team initially, um, you know, good points and bad points, really. I think from a personal point of view, I was open to maybe better to get a start. Looking forward to seeing seeing him play. Uh, in midfield, obviously, it was Osmond's testimonial. He was always going to start, so I wasn't too surprised to see either McCarthy or Barry sit out. Uh, it was McCarthy missed the first half of the game. Um but what I did like the look of was obviously Bainesy and Pienaar back on, on the left-hand side and, you know, Jags had sent it off. So it was a fairly strong team that we put out to begin with. Yeah, it was all right. Um, I That Baines and Pienaar partnership, I just thought Pienaar was a little bit narrow in that. And I'm hoping this isn't a formation kind of thing. Uh, I'm hoping it's not a deliberate thing. I th- I'm hoping it was just that one game because he was really, really narrow. And I know our midfield players do tend to get narrow so the full uh, the fullbacks can bomb on. But th- I think the needs to be to get that relationship between that partnership, sorry, up and running again. I think t- there needs to be that interchangeability. If that's a pos- if that's even that's a word. not a word, no. But we'll, we'll we'll claim it. We'll claim it as our own interchangeability. Yeah. I like it, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, you know, the interplay between uh, Baines and Pienaar often worked at, between them is switching. And Baines sometimes not only doing the overlap, like being an underlap as well. Yeah, anyway. Um, and it, But I, I, that didn't seem to be there, although they did link all right together. I know you picked up on Pienaar being sort of more inside in the game, but I think that was just because, you know... As we sat there and we watched the first half of the game, you know, Porto seemed to have complete control, didn't they? You know, they had possession, they were playing mainly in our half, and I think that was why Pienaar was coming in, just trying to get hold of the ball, I think, and get a touch, well, uh, yeah, because we I had very right. little... We, we couldn't seem to, to break out for probably the first 40 minutes of the first half. 
Um, you look at the, the possession stats, though, and I think it was 50-50. It was just where, where the play took place, wasn't it? That came up at half-time, that possession stat saying 50-50, and I think they just hadn't employed anyone to actually sit down and work it out because yeah. I I was very surprised at that because I thought Porto would add probably at least 65% possession. But uh, even with, the, with them controlling the game, we managed to take the lead, and it was uh, through an error. It was a cleared ball which fell straight to the feet of um, Aidan McGeady and fair play to him. He didn't have the best day. In fact, he had probably one of the worst days I've ever seen in a blue shirt, friendly or not. I but, think he'd be in a little bit harsh there. He was terrible in the first half. I think he did get better towards the end of the second half. Well, he couldn't have got any worse. Let's well, face that it. is true. And yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping McGeady comes good because I love, I love those beat, beat you once, beat you twice, beat you three times wingers like Peter Beagley, um, and he, Billy. No, not <laughs> Billy. Who can whip a good ball in? Uh, I love those type of wingers. Um, but you know, the ball came to him and he, he, he laid it into Naismith, who had a, a little tidy, uh, tidy finish. Yeah, nice little finish from Stephen Naismith. Kept it low, found a. Just inside of the the right hand post, uh, and completely against the run of play, the Blues were one 0 up. Yeah. Um, so when we went in, we went in at uh, half time, one 0 up, as you said, pretty much undeserved. Uh, what what could you take out of that first half? I mean, Joel didn't have a whole lot to do, but well. I didn't. I took very little from the first half performance. Really, we'd scored against the run of play, as we said. Um, you know, there was the odd surprise that you know, as we mentioned before, Tim, I were getting five minutes and then going off and being replaced by Joel. Uh, again, Joel didn't particularly show me anything that was going to improve my confidence in him. Um, and it was yeah, it wasn't really. Everton hadn't done anything. Um, you know the gave me any hope in the game really apart from as you say capitalise on a mistake in the Porto keeper and a nice finish from Naismith yeah so 1-0 half time and then uh, a bunch of changes uh, Distan comes on uh, McCarthy comes on and Bessage comes on um, wearing that number 17 shirt yeah it was it, it was odd wasn't it because I mean we usually our season tickets usually right towards the front of the lower Gladys Street just to the right of the goal, a few rows back, but this, you, we couldn't get our tickets this time. No, we couldn't get our seats. We, we booked on late, so we ended up getting, we were still in the lower Gladys, but we, we were right up towards the back, about four rows from the back of the stand. Great view of the pitch, really central on the goal, um, you know, really good seats, but just with that distance, you know, the, making out the players becomes not as easy. And when you saw Bessic come on, and you saw a tan lad with dark hair, you know, wearing that seventeen shirt, and just the way he holds himself and the way he runs. If you'd have told me that was Tim Kale, I would have believed you. Well, your eyesight's a little bit worse than mine, but I know what you're saying. It was like the ghost of Tim Kale, wasn't it? It was like not that Tim Kale's. We wouldn't wish that upon him at all. Um, but yeah, the way he went in for the challenge, the way you know, I think he would again in in, in that in the vein of Tim Kale. If a, plastic bag would have blew past him he'd have probably had a kick at it wouldn't he yeah and it was just the fact that you know the first half was very lacklustre wasn't it you could tell it was easy to see 
to anyone that it, it was a game that was basically getting played at probably 70%. When Bessic come on at half-time, just like true Tim Cale fashion, he decided, I'm not going to play at 70%, I'm going to play at 100% because this is a game of footy. Uh, and he just seemed to be putting a lot more effort in than anyone else, I a la Tim Cale. I think, um, just going back to the first half, we should have mentioned uh, that obviously Barkley got a run out. And I think the only time it, the crowd really lifted was when... Um, when Barkley got on the ball, and he, he, you know, he, he tried a few dribbles, but nothing really came came of it. Um, I think they were trying to feed Osman a few times, weren't they? Which would be a recurring theme in the second half, um, where they were just desperate to get Osman on the score sheet, weren't they? Yeah, he did have a couple of chances in the second half. Um, yeah, so I mean, as we said, the message came on at half time. Um, there was a, I, I thought there was a slightly better feeling about the game in the second half. Obviously, Lukaku had been paraded on the pitch at half time, which had you know, lifted the crowds a little bit. Um, everyone got to sing Romelu's name. Uh, and then I thought the Blues were actually much better in the second half, particularly the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, so it's funny because we were against the runner play. We scored in the first half, but in the second half, we probably played a little bit better and basically lost that half because that's when um, Porto scored. Yeah, uh, Jackson Martinez, obviously a very highly rated, good player, top European player, uh, scored a goal, got an equaliser, uh, again, nice finish. Yeah, or Jackson M, as the uh, the announcer. Yeah, don't think you know who Jackson Martinez was. I mean, when you look through that Porto team, you, you know, they, they had, there was a lot of good players there, obviously Christian Tello, uh, you know, that we were linked with previously, uh, you know, Quaresma, who... I, we were having a little argument before. I said I I didn't think he'd ever play for Chelsea, and you informed me he had. Yeah, well, I don't I know. Don't remember him going there. I don't know all. if he ever played for them, but he, I know he I know he signed for them. Um, so uh, other other players to come on the second half: John Stones, uh, Tyus Browning, who came on at, uh, on the left for Bainesy. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre that wasn't it. We, we thought maybe Gareth Barry might drop back onto the. Well, as as Hibbo's been going over there. Um, in the other in the other games, I thought maybe Browning would have went over on the right and Hibbo on the left. Um, so uh, Chris Long had a run out. Hallam Hope. Uh, did we mention McCarthy? McCarthy came on as well. Yeah, McCarthy came on again. You know, again looked like he was going seventy percent. Typical sort of pre-season performance. Um, the, the standout player in the second half was Besic, wasn't he? Who, who looks like he could be a player. I mean, it's difficult to tell in a game such as this, but um, everything he done seemed quality. The thing about you know we've had this a little bit of a I don't don't know if it's a debate or not uh, of you know we've got basically these two holding midfield positions and now we've got four players to go in to those two slots in uh, Barry McCarthy Gibson and Besic. The way Bessage um, took hold of the ball and yeah, he's got a good bit of skill, good dribble on him, can swing a pass out, you know, 50 yards. Uh, I, I don't know why we can't play three out of those four. Apart- to me, seeing him there, he didn't strike me as what I would class as a defensive midfielder. He, he struck me as someone who's probably going to be a box-to-box midfielder. Yeah, some, right in someone, the middle. It looks like he wants to get the ball and... And go forward, wants to run with it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I thought Barry and McCarthy were unbelievable for us last season. And I, I love both of them, James McCarthy in particular. Um, but 
if you're going to raise one criticism at, criticism at them, it'd be maybe they're both a little bit sideways in possession. Um, whereas Bessic didn't appear to be like that at all. He always was looking forward. It looks like he's got a bit of vision, mate. You know, slide slotting a few nice little balls in the game. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to be something different in midfield. And as I said before, it's extremely difficult to judge somebody on a game like that, especially coming on the second half, 45 minutes. But from what he showed me in that game, he's going to be knocking right on the door of being on, you know, in the first 11 most weeks. I think, just a little bit of a, I mean, it's not really a preview for any of the games, but I think as the season progresses, we're going we're gonna to see Barry and McCarthy or Barry and Gibson or Gibson and McCarthy and Bessic ahead of them and then you're going to see Barkley and a winger. You're not going to see two out-and-out wingers. You're going to see Barkley and a winger. Barkley's going to be a little bit uh, to the side of um, and behind Lukaku up top and then you're going to have Morales or one other as a winger. I think no, that's... I totally agree. Especially in, you know, especially in big games, games like the Derby games, you know, games where maybe on paper we're not the better side. I think you'll probably see a midfield consistent of Bessic, McCarthy and Barry. Yeah, and and uh, you know th- there'll be alternations that you know uh, if you, if we've got if we need uh, the extra one up front or, or the next extra, extra one behind Lukaku, you might see Barkley drop into that middle role and then uh, Bessic drop back one, and then you might see uh, two wingers come in, um, or you might see Pinar come in. I'm not classing Pinar as a as a out and out winger, um, or you know there's still talk of us getting an actual winger. So uh, that's my predictions based on what we've seen so far at Bessage. I, I don't think he's going to be that holding midfielder type. It gives you that option as well as if you need to change things up, you can go 4-3-3. You can have your, your, your four, then you can have your three midfielder consist of Barry sort of left side, Bessage right side, James McCarthy right slap bang in the middle and then three attacking players ahead of that. Be that either, you know, as you say, maybe Barkley, a striker and a Morales for instance. So it does give you that Sort of flexibility, I think. Well, what you're saying there, I, I still think uh, Barry or Gibson are going to be that uh, the central of any three, uh, or the, the one who drops deep. And by the looks of things, Bessic, whether it was just that game or not, he kind of features more on the left. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the one to drop deep for the ball, though. I think that's going to be Gibson or uh, Barry, as I say. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that, that would make sense because I say I think Bessic out of you know. Our so-called midfielders, to me, looks like he provides the most attacking threat. So he he is better suited to be, you know, around the halfway line or, or, or slightly even more advanced than that. Yeah. So that's you know that's what we can take from that game. You know, as poor. I mean, it was it wasn't a poor game. It was just typical pre-season friendly fair, wasn't it? It was just. I mean, as as we say, once Porto came back into it for the last twenty minutes, I thought we absolutely battered them. We had a real go. The crowd lifted. There was a bit of atmosphere in the ground. McGeady actually started remembering how to play football, got a few crosses over. Hibbo was bursting up the right-hand side a little bit. Um, and, you know, Osman had a couple of chances there where he, he probably could have won the game for Everton. And, and I, I think thought, he was just too so desperate. That's what kind of put him off a little bit. Yeah. Desperate to score on his testimonial. I love that, but, you know, that was when Everton were at the best, I thought, the last sort of 20, 15, 20 minutes of the game. The only glaring thing there, I mean, another negative to kind of take out of it, is Naismith was the only 
forward there. You know, Kone's still not fit, and obviously Lukaku's only just signed. Um, it just it just reiterated that need for another uh, option there now. <laughs> you know, because you know, is, is, is Lukaku going to come in straight away? Is he going to be fully fit? Or is he going to see he needs a week or so to uh, to settle? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the Porto game. Uh, great to be back at Goodison. Uh, I'd like to be back there with a better atmosphere and with the better performance from the Blues. Well, I'm sure there'll be a better atmosphere the first home game of the season. Um, who would you say would you go Bessic man of the match? Probably, yeah. Just because he. I mean, most players only got 45 minutes anyway, didn't he? So I mean, you know, you don't usually like giving man of the match to somebody who's only played 45, but. Bessic, I thought Naismith ran his heart out, as you say. Yeah, he, again, Naismith, he, he's just got that problem that he's he's one to play off a front man, even when he is the front man, you know. And and I don't think it's 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 his fault about that. It's just the way he plays and the, the kind of formation. He's never going to be, although he does win his fair share in the hair in the air. Sorry, he um, he's never going to be that target man, and that's what you need up top, don't you? Or somebody running the channels and then him coming in behind. And I'm going to give a man of each half. I'm going to give the second half man of the match performance to, to Besic. And the first half man of the match performance to the Porto number 30. I think his name was Torres. Who absolutely tore us apart in the first half. Yeah, he was good. a cracking little player. Reminded me very much of David Silva. Yeah, he, got that, he had that floppy air going on as well, didn't he? We need a winger on loan, don't we? Just to pad the squad out. I'd be uh, knocking right on the door over there of uh, the Porto manager, but there you go. As far as tests go, you know, Porto could represent the type of challenge that we will face in the Europa. Well, I, in all honesty, Porto were a, a better side than the Europa side. Porto are the staple of the Champions League, usually do all right in the Champions League, you know. Easily the best side in Portugal. As I say, you go through that squad and you'd have a look at, you know, Mike Horn, uh, Martins Indy in defence. You know, there's there's a lot of well-known European players there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we can hold our own against Porto or be in a pre-season friendly, then there shouldn't really be too many worries going into the Europa League campaign. Yep, OK. So, leave that review there. And then uh, we've got a little bit of Everton news to talk about in a sec. There's only one place we can start at for news, even though it's about a week old now. Uh, and that's the signing of uh, Romelu Lukaku for £28 million. Last week's show was uh, chaos in terms of us recording a podcast. Trying to get Johnny to concentrate on any other thing on last week's podcast was nigh on impossible, as he was glued to Twitter and Sky Sports. It was just I I just couldn't believe it was happening before our eyes. These things never do anything like you know that type of thing never happens to Everton, does it? We always we always have players ready to sign. We've tracked them all over the show, uh, and then nah, it just falls through for whatever reason, and it happens. And I know I did a little bit. I came on and recorded a little bit on my own last week after we completed the signing, but I just want to. Have a little talk about it anyway, because this is our, you know, it's the main news. It's still the main news of the week. It's the main news of any week at the moment, isn't it? So it is, yeah. Um, do you know what I'm finding quite funny at the moment is the fact that 
if you go back over right away across the summer and you know right away into last season, I'm probably I'm guilty of this myself at some point. There was a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, I think twenty million might be a bit too much for the Kaku. Me too. Or twenty-five million. We've now paid twenty-eight million pound for him, and there isn't one person really moaning about it. Everyone seems really happy about it. I, th- I just I think you, you get a little bit of perspective, don't you? He, obviously, he had a, he had a poor World Cup, um, but he's he's twenty years old, or he, he's around twenty twenty one. That is, he just turned twenty one. Just twenty one, twenty two, yes. Um, so, and he's already established on in the top league or one of the top leagues in in, in world football. Uh, he's got to what, 65 goals before any of the other top strikers in the world. And now, you know, he, he might not be at Everton for five years, but on paper, we've got five years to look forward to um, with one of the hottest talents in world football. And could you believe that happening? Even when we got him on loan last season, we, we, we couldn't believe our luck, could we? Well, that that's the thing, isn't it? Um, you know, so... Yeah, massive deal. Club record fee by a massive amount. Um, and it's gave the club, I think, a boost. It's gave the, the support a boost. Um, we've said it's a statement of intent a few times now. And, and it really is that, isn't it? I think it shows how much Everton have moved forward over the last couple of seasons and, and just uh, that we can compete with the big boys when needed. I think... More obviously, we're we're very much based around social media, and it's very much of a so, social media generation. Whereas, like, we're, you know, everybody's been saying, "Why aren't we spending money? Why aren't we doing this?" And then, within a few days, or like within a week or so, we had um, Besic sorted. We had Barkley tied up for a long-term deal, and then we got Lukaku, and uh, we brought in another young lad, Galloway, and we brought in Gareth Barry a little while ago, and now it's like. You know, there's still a, you know we still need a, one or two faces, but that criticism isn't there anymore, and that you know the the, the doom and gloom merchants seem to have disappeared, and everybody's back on a high again in support of Everton. Well, twelve months ago, you were sat at home, probably around this time of year, making a piece, a bit of a picture, a bit of art, which was somebody sat on a couch hiding behind a pillow, with the tagline. This is what how Evertonians feel on transfer deadline day. It's not going to feel like that this year. Who cares about transfer deadline day? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to lose Barkley. We're not going to lose Lukaku. We're not going to lose Coleman or Stones because we're all pulling together and all those players are pulling together to uh, and, you know to make something great of Everton. And it's, it's, it's just such an exciting time. You know, that buzz last week is like nothing I've ever felt before. Uh, and obviously, since the Lukaku deal, there's been a little bit of backwards and forwards between Romelu and Jose Mourinho. Uh, Jose's obviously been putting forward his reasons why they decided to sell Lukaku. Uh, and, you know, I think it just seems like a little bit of sour grapes. And hopefully, you know, that's the type, it, it's the type of talk that might motivate Big Rom to, to go and do something against Chelsea this season. Sometimes he does need that. I mean, you know, that's been one criticism of him, but... You know, he does need a little bit of a rocket up his ass. But what player doesn't? What player performs at 20 years old, week in, week out, 
uh, and dominate every game. Even when we had Wayne Rooney, and we were, we were a pretty poor, like average to average side, then Rooney wasn't outstanding week in week out. In fact, he disappeared in a lot of games. So, you know, you can't expect that. Do you know what? With the exception of maybe Yaya Torre and a certain person who liked to bite people who's now gone out of our league, thank God. I can't think of anyone last season who was consistently brilliant in virtually every game. No, no, I can't. So, I, I agree, you know, people do fade in and fade out and, and, and when you're a young player, you know, your confidence will dip because you don't know any difference and, and you get on a bad run and it'll probably affect you for a little while. Um, and that's what will happen, but... Every time that happens to Lukaku, we learn from it and realise that's just the way it goes and get back on with it and, and start scoring again. So, um, I my realistic expectation for him this season is 20 league goals. He talked a lot about the way his game changed at Everton. You know, at West Brom he came in, young lad, no real expectation of him as such, I wouldn't imagine, because, you know, he was, although he signed for the big, uh, big fee at Chelsea, Nobody really knew that much about him. Um, you know, he, he didn't really before he went to West Brom. He didn't make that much of an impact. Um, so when he went in and scored sixteen, seventeen goals, wherever it was, it was he was the, you know the, coming on as a sub and getting these chances running in and whatever. At Everton, he was the focal point. He had to do all that holding up play, the link play, all that kind of stuff, and that's what he said he's learned. This season, and all right, I think he's still got a lot to learn yeah, in those areas. I was say, you touch... can understand. He, he, uh, to me, that was him coming out and admitting, you know, that's not my game or wasn't my game but before he, this. But, but I'm learning. He started to learn at Evan, and with a with a man like Duncan Ferguson in there involved in the fit, you know, his hold up play and you know link up play and that kind of stuff was, you know, very underrated. Everyone just saw him, you know, heading heading uh, goals in, whatever. His touch for a big man was excellent. It, the way he switched to play. There's that, there's that Andy Townsend cliche book coming out. Yeah, but it was there, wasn't it? His touch for any, you know... Yeah, for, no, no, yeah, he for, was for very underrated. Man, for a big man, for, any, for any, any type of player, his touch was great. And the way he put, played the ball out to the wing and then got back in the box, that's what we need Lukaku to do. And we need him to hold the ball up for us when, when it's... We need, we need that outlet there because Everton have missed that for a long time. I would like to see him in the box much more this season, I must admit. Um, but, you know, he'll be used in varying uh, sort of deployments, won't he, depending on who you're playing. I mean, you forget last season, probably his, you know, one of his best performances was against Arsenal when he was out on the, on the right wing virtually, wasn't it? Well, so. well I, want, I want to see more of that, him driving at players as well, because when he does that, you know, just imagine, you know, imagine what a 15-stone man with that pace and that strength uh, running at you. Um, not many defenders will be able to put up with that. Um, so I want to see more of that next season as well. Do you want to run at me now so I can tell our listeners what it feels like to have a 15 stone man running at you? I'll need to um, have someone on my back for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lukaku deal done and dusted. Um, another fellow who came in, uh, Brendan Galloway, finally was announced on Saturday. We're going to start running out of people to talk about in our rumours section soon, haven't we? Because, you know, Lukaku was there every week. Well, that one's done and dusted now. Galloway's been there the last few weeks. That one's done and dusted after he signed from MK Dons. 
Um, so we're going to have to find some new rumours to, to link us with. Yeah, Galloway uh, came in apparently uh, and impressed straight away into, into Davy Unsworth's side in, in reserves or the under-21s or under-23s, whatever you want to call whatever them Whatever they days. call these days, it changes every season. Um, and uh, impressed, stood out straight away. So I think he made his debut the day he signed against Leeds, I think it was. was, it, was it was announced Saturday morning, wasn't it? And then there was a game the Saturday afternoon against Leeds. So um, he's obviously one for the future. Very highly rated, um, can play centre-back. Uh, I think he can also play defensive midfield, right-back. Very much a John Stones type, we think. If he's anything like John Stones, we've got another superstar in the making. Uh, and I think probably, you know, what's expected from him is to progress along the John Stones sort of line. So, spend a year, uh, as we say, with the, the younger Everton side. Um, see how he progresses with that and then hopefully start maybe... You know, make it the odd first team appearance every now and then, maybe a I don't know, League Cup game or whatever, and then probably look to start pushing on maybe I think possibly even a start to next season, maybe a bit early, but maybe midway through next season. Yeah, yeah. One player who um Roberto does seem to have high hopes for as well is uh, John Lundstrom, who has gone out on loan to Blackpool for a year. Yeah, there was there was a, when this story broke at the start of the week there was a a lot of rumours going around that maybe he was going to go out on a permanent basis to Blackpool and there was figures between a million and three million being talked about. Uh, but obviously Roberto thinks he might benefit more from going out on loan and, and obviously having a look to see how he develops. He's obviously got hopes for him, as you said. Yeah, so we we, we want it to be more like um, the Seamus Coleman effect to Blackpool rather than the... Uh, Valios effect, and we hope he goes down the uh, the Coleman route and doesn't just go there, go on the ale, go on the big one, and then get um, released on a free. I, I'd actually forgot that uh, that's where Seamus Coleman went, but you're right, and yeah, he did go to. And he went to there, and then he went to Norwich, didn't he? he or did, the other yeah. way around, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if you go on loan to Blackpool at the moment, you're pretty much guaranteed to play. Have you still only got about six players, Blackpool? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, John Lundstrom's going to be playing right wing, left wing uh, and central midfield in the same game. Yeah, so, um, what, you, what you mentioned earlier about um, one of the rumour, um, one of the, the main rumours this season has been signing um, David Hennon as well. And, that looked to be very much in the in, in the vein of the Bessard deal over the last few weeks. This what looked like it was another one that was done and dusted, and looks like it's been done and dusted about five times. Especially when um, a certain taxi driver posted selfies of him with <laughs> with Hennen in the back seat. Yeah, I mean, if you look through the deals this summer, obviously the Bessard deal, he he was at the club for at least a week or so before he signed, and he was he was away and he was training with the club. And then it got announced. Galloway, the same. Galloway has been rumoured to have been training with the club right the way back to when he went out to Austria for the first yep. sort of pre-season camp. And then he gets announced. Now, David Hennon, again, apparently he's been training with us now for a couple of weeks. Um, he's been photographed at matches. He was photographed at the Porto game. He's been getting into taxis and telling people that he signed a five-year contract, but yet the club haven't announced anything. It's funny, that is. I mean, Roberto seems to not really uh, be willing to play the game on 
making comments about stuff until you know he just very much plays it by his own rules. And you know, the, apparently the, the Lukaku deal, even though it was last Thursday. Um, did you see in the interview he said it was pretty much done and dusted on the Wednesday? On the Wednesday night after the Barkley press conference. I wonder whether that initial Barkley press conference was going to be the two of them. Yeah. And then something just, you know, whether they just couldn't get the logistics of it right and get them over here in time. What what we didn't mention is, if you listen to last week's podcast, we were laughing at Everton uh, because they were 20 minutes late for the Barkley press conference uh, that was supposed to start at 7. Uh, yeah. The one the following night for Romelu Lukaku was also start, went to start at 7. Was it nearly 9 o'clock before it started? Yeah, I had I had me, me iPad on with it, with it on streaming. Uh, I had me one of my other computers on uh, with it on and uh, me, me, me laptop which I record on um, I had that on with it on as well and I was refreshing them just in case it was just me that was missing it but it wasn't it was thousands upon thousands of Evertonians who were also sat watching the same screen 21,000 at one point watching it on YouTube live waiting for it, watching a screen that just said this will commence shortly um, I thought I was the world's biggest genius because I didn't switch it on till ten past seven, knowing it would be late. So I switched it on ten past seven. Still got this will come in shortly and thought, here we go. See, I, I haven't wasted ten minutes of my life like everybody else. Um, and then I sat there for an hour and a half watching the same screen, texting you, going, "Is your started yet?" <laughs> yeah. So yeah also we, we did we did record bits of it last week so our levels were a little bit all over the show last week so we apologize for that anyway um so transfer so, tra- transfer into that sorry go on what, you what we were talking about david hennan still no confirmation no um, but we do believe he signed a five-year deal yes um two players who won't be coming to everton in in the very near future are first of all a former everton player and champion of a Premier League champion. Billy Lettenoff? No. Oh, um, Jack Rodwell. Um, oh, he is a Premier League champion, yeah. Yeah. All uh, ten minutes that he played. Yeah. Uh, he's got more medals than uh, Steve Gerrard. Yeah, he has. Well, yeah. maybe more Premier League medals anyway. Um, he uh, put pen to paper on a five-year deal at Sunderland, of all places. Yeah, he signed his deal at the Academy of Light. That's, what's, that's actually what it's called. Is it? Yeah. So they've got the Stadium of Light and, and the Academy of Light, yeah. But it's taken them ages to think of that. Yeah. Do you think they've got the Club Shop of Light? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. So <laughs> they've, got the, they've got the Burger Stand of Light. The Burger to... Stand of Light, yeah. Um, so, the Floodlight of Light. Yeah, that would make sense. It would make sense. So, varying uh, reports on what this fee was. Uh, I saw the initial deal was meant to be £10 million, and then since then I've seen it's £7 million. Well, weren't we going to pay four million for him about three weeks ago? Yeah, um, so a lot of blues seem to think that we've uh, dodged a bullet with this one. I've heard that it's five million down and an extra five million based on appearances. So the total fee is going to be five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we get any money from this? Do you know? Apparently, the, what we we did have some sort of sell-on clause, but it was only a sell-on clause on anything over what we sold them for so we don't actually make it because they're making a loss on them we won't make anything that's a bit rush apparently but maybe that's wrong because I'm only going on Facebook and Twitter talk there he's quite a polarising figure is Jack Rodwell 
because a lot of Blues would have welcomed him back because he's he was he was you know he was, he was good young young. I wouldn't have took him for four million. I wouldn't have took him for ten. No, oh, well, yeah, yeah. But some Blues um, do agree uh, that he wasn't our, our saviour at the time he left. You know, he he, he, he there were some very serious flaws in his game. Um, the fact that he could only p- uh, pass sideways for one, and I think he was a bit of a shit house to be honest in a tackle. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So you wouldn't say it to his face though. He's a big lad. Yeah, he's quite, he's quite, uh, he's quite, uh, quite ripped, isn't he? Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jack, if you're listening, in, 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 still in your Southport home, um, but I'll probably won't run into you yeah, anytime soon. Cosby's only about 15 minutes. I know. If you're up in Sunderland, there's no way you're going to drive down here to punch us. So he's yeah, in, you big shit out. He's in uh, Jack Rodwell's apartment of life. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so no. We're, we're having a laugh here. In all honesty, good luck to the lad. Uh, I say, you know, he, he always had the makings of a very good player. Um, Everton got a very good deal for him, so I don't. He's never said anything bad about Everton. I don't wish him any ill will or anything. Just bef- before you finish that one, one other one uh, that we 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 haven't mentioned, have we? I'm not sure if we mentioned it last week. Uh, one who we probably would wish ill will on another a former blue um, chose to. Join that club who were in a different league to us. Uh, I'm talking about Dan Gosling, who chose to further his career at Newcastle. He's just signed a four-year deal at Bournemouth. You know, we signed this deal about four months ago, don't you? No. Or he, he went to Bournemouth about four months ago. Yeah, he didn't sign. He didn't right, sign. Okay. No, he right. was. He was finally released by Newcastle. Yeah, I think it was this week. I think he must have signed some sort of pre-contractual agreement with Bournemouth a while back, but obviously he's landed there now. So yeah, he's fa- finally released by Newcastle and ended up on a four-year deal at Bournemouth. So well, he's found his level, and in all honesty, I hope Jack Rodwell finds his level at Sunderland. And he, you know, he, he starts playing, and I think he's come out and said this week he's gone to Sunderland to get game time and hopefully try and push into the England squad. And fair play to him. I hope he does. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just hope he doesn't score past us yeah. and celebrate. Uh, imagine, imagine him going in and, and run off, run off in front of the Gladys start going, "Shit house, yeah, am I? <laughs> Call me that now, lads." Um, another deal that is off. Etsu, uh, uh, sorry, Atsu. Atsu. It's off because you can't pronounce his name on the yeah. podcast, apparently. Atsu. Uh, there's a number of uh, rumours going around why this deal fell through. I'm not certain this deal's off, but yeah, that's the rumour at the moment. The rumour is that uh, Chelsea want him to go to a club where he's going to get a lot of playing time and Everton can't guarantee that, obviously, because of the quality in the squad. Well, I saw they've got um, the likes of Morales and McGeady ahead of them. But he plays on the left-hand side, doesn't he? Yeah, well, so... So who who out of those two is going to be ahead of him? I think I still think this deal could happen. Um, in fact, I'd be quite surprised if it didn't happen. I think the start of the season, uh, Everton will have either Atsu or Delafeu back with us. Delafeu could be a possibility. Um, so, I mean, the the other rumor was that Chelsea wanted a January recall, but before that kind of rumour uh, came about I heard that Everton only wanted them until January and Chelsea wanted us to take them for the full season so 
Yeah, I heard that Everton only wanted to take him on a six-month loan, which I sat there thinking, that's a bit bizarre. But then, when you think about it, there's an African Nations this year, so that would make sense that he goes off to the African Nations in January. We don't have to pay his wages or pay whatever deal we've got. So um, that possibly might be the snag in it, in, in it all. I think Chelsea probably wanted them to sit on our books through the, the African Nations. I think also we probably only want him for six months because within a few months, Oviedo's going to be back and he's going to give, give us another option on the left as well. So we just need that cover for the first few months. Uh, yeah, there is that. Uh, I think at this point I've got to mention uh, that the the copite who started laughing at Everton, saying that Everton were going to be in trouble in January once Lukaku went off to the African nations. Oh my God! What? What? Why? Why did he do this to themselves? I've told you. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you support Liverpool, you should not be allowed Facebook or Twitter because you just constantly make a fool out of yourself. Yeah. Um, okay, so I mean, everyone knows that Belgium failed to qualify for the African Nations if they've watching closely. <laughs> uh, the only other real news that we've got, we know that um, we know that Luke Garbett and Seamus Coleman. We know that there's a possibility, or well, you know, it's been pretty much confirmed that they're going to be out for the next two preseason games. Yeah, apparently Roberto's mentioned in an interview that it could be up to three weeks. So potentially could even be missing the Leicester game. Yeah, and, you know, when you don't get a pre-season in, which, you know, unfortunately Coleman won't, Garber got a few games in. Uh, what well, Coleman got, what, half? Half a half against Tramia. And that's the worry. Um, he's not going to make it in time for the season. And he won't have had a pre-season, so even once he's back fit and able to play, he then needs to get match fit as well. So uh, I would suggest that we're possibly going to see John Stones or Tony Hibbert are right back for the, the start of the season unless um, we bring somebody like Mika Richards in yeah, I can't see that happening no it's been late that's another one that's been rumoured and linked this week um, quite definitely a slowed down the, uh, the rumour mill though hasn't it the rumour mill has slowed down yeah, but, I that's mean, what a 20, 28 million sign will do for yeah. your transfer gossip uh, but all the talk is that Mika Richards is available for somewhere around about £4 million um, you know there's a lot of people saying we should go out and get him uh, on social media sites. I can't see why Mika Richards would want to leave Manchester City's bench for Everton's bench, in all honesty. Yeah, I think he'd probably want to go somewhere and be able to just walk straight into the side, and that's not going to happen. I, I, I could see him possibly being the right-back of light. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, we've only got one other little bit of news to talk about, really, and it's a, it's something that is again split Evertonians a little bit. Um, I don't see why, but you know, we're going to have a little bit of talk about you know those possible issues, and that's the uh, the makeover for Goodison with this uh, new mural tri- uh, as a tribute to uh, our, our manager Roberto Martinez. Um, good or a bad thing, Mark? Well. First off, for anyone who doesn't know, um, at the the end of the, the main stand, uh, top balcony, whatever you want to call it, uh, the park end, end, if that makes sense, uh, where usually there's a big club badge, um, a, a massive sort of banner or mural or however you want to refer to it has been revealed or is currently in the process of 
getting built and revealed. Uh, and that's a sort of 100-foot-sized Roberto Martinez. With his solo Lomejor. Um, I'm glad you pronounced that with yeah. your Spanish background. Yeah, so... You know, at the moment when you're coming in, they've changed that side of the ground. Although the Gladys Street is obviously, you know, the most famous stand for Evertonians, they've got this new thing now where the, the, the gateway to the ground, I mean, the gateway to the club, where you've got Dixie's statue and you've got the wall with all the tribute. And it's where the, van, the fan zone is, where obviously, the fan on zone is, yeah. And you've got all the space for the car park and all that kind of stuff. Club shop across the road. Yeah, so that's, and that's going to be one of the, you know, you've got the tribute on the house on the left-hand side as you're coming up towards Goodison, and now you've got that great big tribute on the stand. So I think it's just a, you know, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's, you know, it's an exciting time. We've got an exciting young manager, and it looks like we're going places. I think. Get- I I quite like the fact that if you have a look at the expression on Roberto's face, and oh, yeah. the fact that he's looking out across the park towards a certain cesspool on the other side of Stanley Park. Um, I quite like that. I think that's quite tongue in cheek the way it's been done. I see. Do you think it's a little bit like that um, that Carlos Tevez thing when he when Man City did that? Welcome to Manchester. Or do you think? It's I don't think. It's, I don't think it's as blatant as that. But I don't. Th- I think most. it's. You know. I don't think it's Very gone. De- it's gone amiss that he's looking out towards. Anfield. So it's a deliberate thing. Yeah, well, I think it's just probably a bit of an added bonus. Um, you know. There's some people who don't like it. So uh, one of the criticisms was uh, was on our, our our own page. Somebody came on and said, uh, "Oh, we don't. Why are we doing stuff like that?" Or what was the, what was the term they used? I can't remember. I think it was was it deemed as copyright behaviour. That was I've seen that on uh, on other on other sites. Um, I think somebody's made site. the point of we're going to look a bit silly if, for instance, he decides to leave <laughs> in the next few months. Isn't that the same with anything? Exactly. We looked a bit silly when we put the club badge on the side of, of the, the stadium we and then decided to change it a month later. Giant panini sticker on the side of the stadium and then brought it down after it. it I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, you know, it's exciting times to be an Evertonian and he's at the forefront of those exciting times. You know, to sweet talk uh, Bill Kemwright out of 28 million, I mean, that's pretty legendary in itself, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like tempting fate, and I'm sure I'm going to jinx us here, but I am 99.9% certain that Roberto Martinez will certainly be our manager through the entirety of this season, uh, and a lot longer than that. Um, So, uh, no, I like the mural. Um, I think a couple of people have said maybe we should have gone for the whole Everton Legends type thing, but do you know what I think? Do you know... The club haven't actually come out and made a statement about it yet, but do you know what I think it is? You know, if you go round the stadium, it's got the timeline of Evan right the way round the stadium and pictures, and then it, it comes all the way round and it, it actually finishes at that wall. And I think the last thing updated on it was was like the the signing of Marouane Fellaini or or something along those. It's like a, a, from a couple of years ago anyway. That then, if basically where that timeline ends, the next thing up would be the next big event in Everton's history would probably be the appointment of uh, of Bobby. So I think that's probably the end of the current timeline, and that's why they haven't gone with a, a Holy Trinity or a Dixie Dean or a you know a, a Howard Kendall. 
Yeah, I don't think it's in any way, uh, you know, a, a knock on Everton legends. Everton are very, very, uh, you know, welcoming of their legends. You know, they brought Joe Royal back. The fit, one of the very first things um, Roberto did was redecorate, so to speak, um, Finch Farm and get all those legends uh, put up on the walls to, you know, show people that this is Everton. You know, and so I don't think it's a knock on that, but I think it's just embracing the exciting times that are ahead and good on them for doing something different rather than just putting the badge back up there. Um, you know, it's something different and it is on the gateway. To, it's overlooking the gateway to the club. So, good on them. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, and anything that makes our, our ground look a bit more appealing, I'm all for I think a lot of people are saying, can we just get rid of those wooden seats now and throw in a few plastic seats in? Surely that won't cost too much, but um, I don't have to sit on a wooden seat, so I don't care. No. Okay, so um, we're going to have a little bit of a, a, a social media review in a, in a sec, um, but here's all our links. If you haven't already got us on Facebook, etc., go do that. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at JustBetterEFC. Don't know about you, but that little ad then just um, gave my voice a break. Because I felt like I was like talking like a machine gun for a minute there. So sorry to anyone who lost track of us. <laughs> Especially our American or, you know, further ashore, um, further afield listeners. Scouts can be hard enough to understand at the best of times. Uh, when you're going at a million miles an hour, uh, it probably doesn't help. Yeah, so anyway, we gave you our links there. Um, as I mentioned every week, we are also on Instagram and we're also on the YNFA app, which stands for You're Not Famous Anymore and it refers to a certain club across the park from us who we don't like very much. So it's good to be associated with them. Yep. Um, that- a certain club that Robbie's looking down on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked about, we had our news section and, you know, we, we said we've got a little bit of a social media section this week. Um, you, it's, it's been a slow week, hasn't it? Because there's not much that can follow last week. I think that's, we've had the fallout from that. It has, and the majority of talks just been people wetting themselves over signing Lukaku, really. So everything's been very positive, which is good, but it doesn't really play well when for us reading things out on the podcast, does it? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I asked was, um, with the uh, Atsu loan move um, falling through, um, who can we bring in, basically? Uh, and the number of options is, is McGeady good enough? Will we get Jerry back? Who can we re- realistically bring in? And that was the question that I put out there. Um, and a few people have said that McGeady is good enough. What are your thoughts on that before we go into the social media? McGeady has been with us now long enough to show me what he can do. And I can't really recall any performance by him where I've really thought, you know, this lad has got what it takes to be a first choice player for Everton. He's he's had little flashes of brilliance, you know. He, he's had the odd decent performance, but he's never grabbed it by the scruff of the neck, has he? And I, I know, you know, 
to be fair to the lad, this will be his first full season at Everton. This is the first time he's been through a pre-season with us, so he does deserve to be given a little bit more of a chance. But at the moment, I don't think he's good enough to be first choice. I like him as a bit of an impact player to bring on. Yeah, I mean, people will say, like they say with, uh, you know, they'll say when people are defending uh, Joel, that they haven't really had a chance. We've hardly seen anything of them. But players, if they're good enough, get a chance, don't they? I mean, especially with Roberto. Maybe with Moisey, they might not have got a chance. Um, you look the way the way he managed Delafeo last year, and people rave about Delafeo. I'd say McGeady has had equal opportunity there and hasn't made the same kind of impact as Delafeo, would you? No, yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that. And I think um, as we look on social media, the, the answer to this question, uh, that tends to crop up a little bit. I mean, Tom Harry, uh, he says... Let's go for Delafeu. Uh, if there is a chance, uh, let's let's try and get him. But just play him more. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Rimmer, Nathan Redmond is a, is a suggestion from him, and uh, just think what Roberto could do with him. Uh, haven't not haven't the issue with um, hands off for Redmond. I don't know what the deal is with Redmond, but again, you know, although Redmond does have Premier League experience, obviously with with Norwich. Um, He's a young player again, and I don't think he'd be ready to, to, to come in and start. I, he's someone I'd actually like to see us bring in. I do rate him, but I think probably you know, he'd be one of those that we need to bring in and sort of give them a little bit of time to adapt to playing for a club like Evan. There's a few, I mean, there's a few, uh, you know, defending McGeady saying uh, Gary Gray and Jack Hesketh. Uh, I rate McGeady, um, but he. he Mentioned someone we've been linked with from uh, Celta Vigo, uh, Nolito. Uh, 14 goals in 35 games from the wing. That yeah. Sounds good, and we'll see, we'll see him tonight, won't we? Well, obviously, Roberto will get a chance to, to have a look at him at the friendly over at Prenton Park, where we're, we're playing Celta Vigo this evening. Um, Stephen Byrne disagrees with the, the, the people that you've said who are supporting McGeady, and he says, McGeady is nowhere near good enough. You just need to ask Celtic fans, and they'll tell you. If you can't do it in that league, it proves the player he is. I mean, yeah, we could probably go up there and perform, to be honest. Um, There's also a lot of shouts going around for Isco. Um, two two things with that. One, um, apparently this was... We were linked to him last week, but it was just a rumour some lad made up in his bedroom. And two, Isco's not a winger. No, he's a, he's attacking midfielder, isn't he? And he could do a job on the wing. Um there's a shout for Valbuena from Peter Bird. Uh, Mike Green says bring in Nanny. I, I don't. I don't rate Nanny. No, I think he's a bit of a show pony. Very highly paid. Um, no, uh, not for me. But you know, again, could he be a player that Robbie could unleash the potential in? You, you don't know, do you? Uh, Kenny Hobbit Almond says uh, he's got two choices really for to play on on that side. Uh, one being already with us and that's uh, our friend uh, Brian Oviedo uh, when he's fit pushing forward into an attacking role uh, or he also says we should bring in Charles Gill from Valencia he also later on says Affile is available from on loan from uh, Barca um, and Aid Dews also says Adama Traore on loan so uh, there's a few options out there I don't know how realistic some of them are but your thoughts are, you know, you, 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 as you said before, you think we're going to get Atsu. I keep going to say Atsu for some reason. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think this Atsu deal is dead by any means. Um, Do you think it's posturing? Like from clubs and they're just trying to, you know, hold hold the ground up to what they actually want? I don't think it's anything from the clubs because I haven't seen anything official come out from Chelsea or come out from Everton at the moment. All I've seen is that various Everton sites uh, have said they think the deal's off. Uh, the rumour was that, you know, four or five clubs were in for Atsu uh, and and Everton had been chosen at that time as being the one that was the best destination for him. So I don't see why that suddenly would have done a 180 in the space of a few days. And if that was the case, then why has the deal not been concluded with whoever the second choice club was, an Aston Villa or a Sunderland or, or whoever? So I still think the deal might go ahead uh, until until he goes anywhere else, then there's always a chance. Um, and if not, as I say, I don't think Delafay, who's been given a squad number at Barcelona, so uh, chances are that it looks like he could be going out on loan. It's funny that, isn't he? He wasn't given the squad number, and then the day after, he was praising Roberto. Yeah, A little bit of angling there. Interesting. Not in the Tony Hibbert sense of angling, but, uh, you know, angling nonetheless. Yeah. Um, the other question to put out there, I mean, you could tell it was slow yesterday because we did our name a random Everton player game and, you know, we've got some proper legends up there and some proper people we'd rather forget. Um, when you run an Everton page as we do, um, you know, you do get your slow days and there's certain stock things you can go to to get a bit of interest in the page and, you know, people talking about Everton, you can ask them what's their favourite Everton song, for instance. You're blowing all our tactics. Favourite Everton goal. Um, And probably the most simplistic of all is name an Everton player. There's no rules, just any Everton player. Yeah, so people try and get the most obscure. And I I think it's it's good when you can get really obscure ones and give give you a little proper rubbish ones that you just rather forget because it gives you a little smile because we're quite good now. And you think, oh my God, how rubbish were they? Um, but anyway, that that's, that spared me on to uh, put out a question today. I've, I've, I often wonder this: is like, where in the world are our people on our page and people who listen to our podcast based? Um, and we've got you know quite a response here. Um, first of all, on Twitter, Blue Dom Ash, who I know listens regularly, um, he's actually been in Tokyo for ten years. Tokyo, yeah, and um, his only real link to back home is uh, Everton and us, the podcast. <laughs> That's his only link back to being to... home. Right, okay. It's mad, isn't it? So we're basically preventing them from committing suicide. In Tokyo, yeah. We're keeping, right, okay. We're, we're keeping it real and representing the uh, the Blues for uh, Blue Dom Ash in Tokyo. Well, the first one I've just read, I missed the lad's name because I was just trying to get back to the start. But it's somewhere very similar to Tokyo, where he listens to us from. Uh, and that's a place called Heighton. Heighton, yeah. Heighton, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or Two Dogs, as it's known locally. Could we, could we just just go through and list a few here? We've got Paul Smith, who I, I, I know. Uh, he said he's right by Finch Farm. Alan Neal, Wallacey. Daniel Brown, Rotherham. Wayne Baker, Bradford. I won't go through them all. Uh, go through what, some more. Glenn rant. Muir lives in Hanoi, Hanoi in Han- Vietnam. Mad that, isn't it? Um, oh, hang on. You know what we're gonna do now? No, go on, you can do it. Good morning, Vietnam. Is it morning? Well, it was in the film. I don't know if it's morning now. Hopefully, he's listening to us at morning. Fair enough. 
so other non-Liverpool based blues Dale Anthony Burke based in Sheffield um, Milan Chandra listens to us in India wow yeah Sonny Cornwall Mike and Kelly Andrew surely that's he's the Liverpool supporter for those in Cornwall um, well we've got a few and um, like Tom Naomi Corley Potts in Norway and well, uh, someone else in Norway as well comes around in a minute uh, Leigh Randerson Scarborough uh, our Australia fan base is getting bigger we've got uh, Tom M. Wilson who's a top blue in Sydney uh, and he's just met two other blues over there Jake Stewart and Ed Ferguson uh, and just round the corner in Perth Western Australia I say just round the corner it's probably about 9,000 miles away or something uh, is James Shingler Stuart Tag who's a regular on our page is from Wigan I didn't know that I thought he lived in Skem Skem yeah it's all wool anyway I'm only messing Stu you know we love you really uh, we've got a few more Darren Elliott Oxford um, Ben Puzar Geraldton Western Australia Kanan Ronnie O'Hagan lives in Queens Ferry but said he lives in Asda in Queens Ferry so I wonder if he's actually just lives in the shop <laughs> hiding in like one of the aisles yeah could well do Jason Druckham it'd be boss to live in a supermarket really wouldn't it in a zombie film um, exactly yeah, yeah. 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 yeah there um, you go. Jason Druckenmiller is in Pennsylvania USA nice Um Jennifer Howard, Madrid, Spade. Spade? <laughs> Spain, <laughs> even. <laughs> I got distracted by the one below that. Uh, David Carl Groskert, who lives in Cannibal Farm. Yeah, right, not Cantrell Farm. Not can- 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 Just farm, going yeah. back to Jennifer Howard, fair play to the girl, because she lives in Mid- she now lives in Madrid. She could switch allegiance to Atletico or Real, but she's stuck with the Blues. Yeah, good. Fair play. The best out of the three teams there. Fair play. Uh, Oscar Tomo, who listens and is on our Twitter a lot. Perth, Australia. Did you mention it before? Is that another Perth? I think that's another Perth. We're big in Perth. Um, and John P. Marshall, Budapest and Hungary. So I think it's safe to say we're fairly worldwide. Yeah, that's good. Good, good far-reaching uh, Everton page and podcast. Just two lads from Brutal who... Uh, Sit in the Gladys Street, bringing us all together as one in support of the Blues <laughs> Cheese Fest. <laughs> this is sound beginning to sound like the Podcast of Light now. Yeah, we are the Light. Uh, we need a new name, don't we? Podcast of Light. I like. We're it. not calling it the Podcast of Light. <laughs> um, anyway, so thanks to uh, everyone there who, who, who's replied to that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not wrapping up. By the way, I'm just saying thanks for responding to that and so, thanks for listening to us and taking your time out your day to listen to us. So, yeah, uh, where we go to now? Uh, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> well, we're going to preview some more pre-season friendlies, aren't we? We've got between we this recording, which is on the Wednesday, uh, and our next podcast, we're going to have two other. Uh, pre-season friendlies there's the one against Celta Vigo tonight which will be done and dusted by the time the podcast gets released tomorrow um, so we can do a fake match report if you want to try and make it up uh, and then obviously the Blues are playing away in Germany in Paderborn what I meant by was uh, I haven't got a clue is like I haven't got a clue what we're going to say about those games right okay um, I mean what we heard from Roberto in his uh, in his press conference or you know his, his, his midweek interview 
was uh, Besic is likely to start. We know Lukaku isn't going to start tonight. This is tonight's game against Celta Vigo. We'll gonna... just gloss over this because obviously it's no point previewing it because by the time it comes out, it'll be done and dusted. So uh, we believe Barkley and Besic are going to start and get a good chunk of the game. Gibson could feature, but no confirmation on that. He was rested against Porto, but he did feature against Tramia last week. Um, Lukaku's likely to feature against Paderborn over in Germany yeah that, I mean ever since he was bought that was rumoured to be his first game for us wasn't it back so yeah I mean the interviewer for, for whoever does the Everton website asked Roberto is it more about looking at your formation and that now rather than fitness and he kind of dodged that question a little bit I think it's still about fitness Um I don't know, what, what, what are your thoughts about what, how should we treat these friendlies? I was having this conversation coming out of the, the Porto game. I, I was saying, you know, that I wouldn't have made all the substitutions at half-time in that game. I would have gone with my best 11 and tried to get at least an hour or so out of them because I think now, on a personal point of view, I think it should be more about pattern of play, formation, getting everybody back used to playing with each other again. Getting, getting those link-ups and those little connections working again together um, more than fitness. So I would agree with that, but obviously Roberto didn't seem 100% sold on that. I thought it was still to do with fitness. Well, he, but we don't know. We don't know what what his thoughts are, do we? He, whether he says that or whether he believes it or not. Because he, he doesn't always commit to an answer on those things, does he? So it might be. He might still be seeing it as fitness, or he might... You know, might be looking at tactics. We just don't know. It's very difficult to speculate on those games. But we do know that Besic is likely to start tonight. And we do know that Lukaku is likely to feature against Paderborn. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's probably going to be, obviously, Naismith or possibly Conor McElhaney starting up front tonight. I'd be surprised if Naismith starts tonight. He looked knackered yeah. against Porto. And he deserves a rest, to be honest, because he, he ran his legs off uh, last week as well. Well, obviously, we, I think tonight was rumoured to be Morales' first game back, so you could possibly even see Morales start up front for a half. He needs to, he needs to get some run out, doesn't he? Because well, he does. He's, he's, he's got to come nothing. back into the team at some point, so uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if we saw Kevin Morales tonight. What worries me about these two games coming up is we've got Garbit and um, Coleman out for these two games. So we're pretty much stuck for actual out-and-out full-backs for, with Baines and Hibbert. You've got Stones and Distan who can cover in those positions and you've got Browning a little bit lower down in the mix. Yeah, you've got... I think Alcaraz can play left-back as well. You can play Distan at left-back. Has Alcaraz convinced you? Barry can play left-back. So I think there is, there is cover there. What one, no, I know, but all, all of the positions, maybe... Ugh, actually, I say, I say that... I mean, I say that I'm, I'm, I'm contradicting myself because I don't think we've got a good uh, backup in goal. I don't think we've got a good backup until Lukaku comes comes into the mix uh, up front. And now the fullbacks, I don't think we've got a uh, an out and out backup for them until those players come back in. We want to see those players in the strongest positions. I wouldn't be massively surprised if we saw Bessic start at right back today. I would be very, very surprised if we saw Bessage start at right back. We can play there, you know. I'd be very, very surprised if I saw him play there tonight. Could have a look at him. You never know. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's, that's the Celta Vigo game tonight. 
Uh, obviously, Celta Vigo, another decent European side. It's another one of those tests, Europa tests. They've been over in England for a while now. They've been playing a lot of games. Uh, been based at St George's Park, I think. Um, so, yeah, uh, they should be fit. They should be used to playing in this country. Uh, and it should be a good test for Everton. Uh, I'm a bit worried about playing at Prenton Park because obviously that's the pitch Coleman got injured on. I played there. It's not the best of pitches at the best of times. Um, so, you know, I just hope there's no injuries that come out of this game. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the Blues then travel over to Germany. It's strange many do, isn't it? Because they, like, they have their little tour around stuff. You know, we went to Austria, then we ended up in, um, you know, flying out to, to Bangkok um, after the after the Tramir game, came back, and now we're going out again um, at the weekend, and then we're coming back for the start of the season. It's like to and fro, and uh, you know, I thought their kind of aim was in pre-season. We used to be to kind of make that trip away to do your training, go somewhere else to play your games, and then come home and get used to this system again and this weather again. This is different from usual, and the fact that, as you say, we normally do go away and play games, get your fitness back, come back and play here. The only reason I think they might have thrown this Paderborn friendly in. Is sort of to get the players used to the travelling for the European games. Yeah, so it's in Germany, and you informed me that it is uh, around Dortmund and Dresden. Somewhere near that, yeah. One of the, the lads who, who is uh, a fan of our page and the podcast and also comes into players, uh, Tommy. Uh, Tommy's got me and a couple of the lads are making the trip out to Paderborn. Top blues that they are, top lads uh, are going all the way out to Paderborn to go and watch. They're going out on the ferry uh, via Hull. And then drive it across so uh, hopefully they'll have a good trip, have a, a few good beers uh, and maybe see some nice looking German Fraulein's. <laughs> yeah. You never know. So uh, we can't really do a prediction for the scores. We could po- probably, uh, what's, what's the score tonight going to be, Mark? We'll beat Celta Vigo tonight. Yeah, okay. What about Paderborn? We'll batter them. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, they are, they've just been promoted to the Bundesliga this year so they're just... Uh, sort of similar to Leicester, I would say, who, who we played already. Who beat obviously. us? Uh, who beat us? Yeah, uh, a newly promoted side. So uh, I'm sure they'll be looking to, to test themselves out against a team probably deemed to be of a higher quality. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, as as you said, come through without a without any injuries, and we just get all the other players involved. We uh, we need to get Morales involved and. We need to get uh, Lukaku involved on, 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 in, at the weekend. And then I think with the squad, with the other players coming back, we look like uh, we've got a strong squad together and we can start pushing on. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. So um, obviously we'll bring you details of those two friendlies uh, in next week's podcast. Uh, and then we'll really start the countdown to the beginning of the season then because that'll be the friendlies done and dusted. Uh, and it'll be count down to Leicester. I can't wait. I can't wait to get the, the the proper the proper games where we can like get form and all that kind of stuff in the picture and then throw out the window. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another podcast for us, pretty much done and dusted. Anything else you need to add? Uh, just before we go, yeah, just obviously a reminder of something that we told you about on last week's podcast. Obviously, uh, in May next year, uh, we've got a night in conjunction with since1878.co.uk. Uh, that's commemorating the 30-year anniversary uh, of the 85 uh, season, the double-winning 
Cup Winners Cup and League Winners. Um, a whole host of Everton legends are going to be in attendance on the night. Neville Southall, Howard Kendall, Graeme Sharp, Kevin Sheedy, uh, you know, John Bailey, the list goes on. Uh, so if you're interested, get in touch uh, and we'll get you some tickets. It is selling very quickly. I think it's almost two-thirds gone at the moment uh, and that's, you know, ten months before the event or something. So get your name down, Blues. It will be a good night. Is that, and we'll be there. Is that on the back of my uh, amazing video advert that I've made? For that and, and for our podcast. Yeah, John has suddenly became uh, Steven Spielberg and started making adverts now, making us look all posh. Well, you've got to step it up sometimes. You know, when the new season comes calling, you've got to step up to the plate and start hitting it out the park. I don't know what that means, but... That was very American. That's what a lot of Americans say about stuff, so... Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's, it from, that's it from us from another week. Um we should have a little bit more content for you out there. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we were struggling a little bit. We usually have two pages worth of notes. Uh, we had one page. Well, them. I'm talking more about um, our Premier League preview show, which um, is, is not Everton-based. It's based on actual, um, I don't know, football. In Just general. Football, football, yeah, in, football general. in general. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we, we're having a bit of a... A battle of our conscience because we we might have to be semi complimentary to Liverpool on this other podcast that we've been asked to do. Um, we'll wait and see. I don't we'll, think I, I don't think it's possible. I think we're still going to just let we'll, them off. We'll stick to our roots, you know. We'll still represent the Blues, but we're going to start talking about general Premier League business as we've been approached to do. Uh, you know, a weekly show on that. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you you know if you. If you're interested in footy and not just the blues, we'll throw some links up, I suppose, once uh, once we've got them up and running. We, we shall indeed. Um, I'm, no doubt, it shall join our page on SoundCloud, and it shall be up on iTunes, like um, our, our show is currently. If you listen on SoundCloud and you want to get us on, on iTunes, just search "Not Bitter, Just Better" and subscribe to that to get it weekly to your device. Um, just just on that note, uh, it looked like we had sort of record. Listens last week, didn't it? On on across all our different formats. So, uh, just wanted to say, you know, thank you to any regular listeners and hello to any of our new listeners as well. Because obviously the numbers came in last week and and, and, and we're good. Yeah, um, we don't know. We, I mean, we don't get a comprehensive list of all of our numbers. We know that we do reach like a fair amount each week, um, but we know that we we reached a lot more uh, last week. And there's a number that is still unaccounted for. So, whatever you blues are doing, on top of whatever we're doing, just keep spreading the word. And you know we'll keep trying to bring you all the best in the Everton-related uh, content every week. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Spread the word. Tell your mates. Get them to get on it. And uh, catch it all next week. Yeah, we're just going to uh, send. Bill Kenwright, uh, maybe a fiver or so, just to try and make him feel a bit better after spending out all that money this week. He's probably scratching around to buy his dinner and everything now, isn't he? So uh, uh, we'll catch you next week.